Alison Morgan, Business Coach at Relauncher. I'm excited to introduce you to Richie Harkham, who joins us in this episode. I met Richie on set whilst filming an episode of Red Wire for Vodafone last year. Richie is a serial entrepreneur who owns several businesses, including Harkham Wines, Energy Alliance, the Australian College of Physical Education and Hark Angel. Richie is also a speaker, combining his growth through adversity and his entrepreneurship to motivate, inspire rapid change and identify opportunities in times of hardship. In 2014, Richie's near-death experience on his motorbike saw him battle through eight operations, a knee transplant and a golden staff infection. Through Richie's struggles and perseverance, he is utterly inspirational and filled with wisdom. By the end of this recording, I felt like running up a mountain. I hope you enjoy. Richie, thank you so much for joining us here today. How are you? I'm surprisingly doing really, really well, thank you. I, um, I moved in with my with mum, my, my dad and my grandmother for the past uh, five days. Um, we were celebrating Passover. And uh, it was really, really nice to have some family time. I was visiting my grandmother through glass. We were having lunch and breakfast together, so it was actually nice to be on the other side of the glass. Wow. But to do that, yeah, I had to get tested to do that, which is such a crazy world, right, oh just not gosh. to make sure I wasn't going to put her at risk. No um, way. So I just left the house. So I'm feeling a little bit like funny feelings, like leaving my family. Um, yeah. How are you going? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I enjoyed the Easter break. For me, I just could not have come at a better time. I think a lot of people were feeling like that as well. So my cup is full and I'm ready for a big week ahead. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. I actually um, turned off for a day for the first time in since I can remember and it was such a great, nice opportunity just to actually take it easy and turn off from the craziness of the world and just to actually let all the thoughts and feelings of what's been happening to settle. Yeah. Good idea. Smart man. All right. We have got so much to cover. So where I'd love to start is for you to introduce yourself to all the listeners. Um, sure. So I'm Richie Harkham. Um, I'm from Sydney, Australia. I uh, have several businesses. Um, I have a winery called Harkham Wines. Um, I'm an entrepreneur and I co-own several other businesses, including um, a private university called Australian College of Physical Education uh, and another education business called Australian Institute of Personal Trainers and another business called Energy Alliance. Um, But I am also a motivational speaker. So I go into companies and I help motivate them and inspire them. I, I developed a system, a framework where we can take something bad. And if you go through the framework, you can find an opportunity in it. And I help companies and leaders to develop this in themselves to take adversity and to turn it into growth. How do you turn adversity into an opportunity? But the thing which I do the most, which I love the most, is I also founded a foundation called the Hark Angel Foundation, where our goal is to build 100 schools in the poorest places in the world. We're working in a country called Myanmar, and I spend 
two months, six weeks to two months in a third world country. I take 20 Australians with me every year. And um, I've already built nine out of my 100 schools and have over 2,000 children. Amazing, Richie. Like listening to all of those like pockets that you've got your hands in, you know, and, and businesses that you, that you are running, I don't even know how you manage to segment your time but also have a clear mind. How do you time manage yourself, you know, keeping all these elements going? First of all, I want to say that you've actually, I've been watching a lot of your lives lately and what you've been putting up. I really respect what you do and we've chatted a lot lately and you have some amazing tips and tools, especially in these times. Um, So thank you for that. Yeah, my pleasure, my pleasure. But when I listen to what you've got going on, I mean, that is just incredible. You're making such a big change to the world. Yeah, I think the thing is I have really good people and I think that every every corporation, every business, we're only as good as our people who we have. Um, I have business partners who love running businesses and I've got really good staff around me and I make people who work for me leaders in themselves. I expect every person to be able to make decisions and I think that's the thing of, of every leader should make leaders and that's the way that I kind of approach it. The way that I do everything is I don't sleep much, to be honest with you. I sleep between four and six hours a night maximum. And I'm very, I schedule myself really, really well. Yeah. Yeah. So routine is really important to me. Yeah. All right. So let's rewind because, you know, there was a huge pivotal moment in your life some time ago where you had a motorbike accident. Can you take us through that? You know, how long ago was that and also how it's changed your life? Yeah, so it's actually so crazy. It was exactly six years ago in a couple of days. So on the 16th of April, 2014, um, I had a very, very bad motorbike accident where I was riding my motorbike in Bellevue Hill. Um, I loved my Harley Davidson. I loved the sound that it made. I built from scratch with a guy who used to build motorbikes. And I was riding my motorbike and out of nowhere, a car T-boned me pushed me into oncoming traffic. The metal on bone just shattered my whole leg um, from my knee down into hundreds of pieces. Um, it compound fractures to my tibia and fibula, killed my, my meniscus and my cartilage, and I was almost killed. Um, I had that moment where my whole life was flashed in front of me where I could see a car coming to run me over. And I thought that I was going to die in that moment. And um, it was actually really weirdly, it was a very calm feeling. The thought of death was really like, it was cool. It was like I, I lived a great life and I'm ready to die. And the one thing when I recovered from that, when I, when I hit the ground and the first thought that I had, first of all, I felt all the pain and I started screaming out on the side of the road, why God, why God, why me, why me? Because I couldn't understand how one second could change our lives forever. And this is exactly what we're kind of going through right now, right? But exactly. one second, then in the blink of an eye, we woke up one day and all of our mm-hmm. life has completely changed. Do you remember we used, Alison, we used to have this thing called plans? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they don't exist anymore. <laughs> There's no such a thing as plans right now, right? Yeah. We can just throw them right away. <laughs> oh, 
my gosh. Okay, so you had this terrible accident and it took you a very, very long time to rehabilitate. In fact, how long did it take you? Yes, so I was in and out of hospitals for three and a half years. I had eight major operations, seven of which failed me. I had chronic pain for over three years. I couldn't walk unassisted for over three years. Um, I had, you know, complications from anesthesia and couldn't breathe and woke up being suffocated and reintubated and paralyzed. Um, I got a golden staph infection after two and a half years when I thought I was out of my journey, did over 400 physio sessions. I've basically been to the other side of human suffering and from all of that and from trying to help other people which have gone through huge amounts of traumas, I came up with this framework um, which is called a return on resilience. So as you know, resilience is about bouncing back. A return on resilience is about how do we find an opportunity in bad things that happen to us? How do we take the worst thing in our lives that happened to us and turn it into the best thing? And I came up with this framework to help us do that, which is what I do when I speak in motivational speeches. I run through that framework and how we can do that. Um, So does the framework include like certain stages and steps that you follow in a certain order? How does it work? Yeah, so that's that's exactly, Mm. it's exactly right. Um, There are four stages in in my framework. I'll share share them with you right now, but um, I won't go into great amounts of detail because it'll take a while. So the first stage of the framework is integration. How do we integrate what's happened to us? So right now, let's put that with to coronavirus. You know, we've been hit with this huge change in our lives. How do we make sure that we absorb what's happened and integrate it within our bodies and ourselves so that we can reach acceptance? There's this amazing um, psychologist. Her name was Kubler-Ross. Um, it's called the Stages of Grief Model. Have you heard about it before? Yeah, I have. So right now we are grieving. We've lost our old lives. We've lost control of our lives. There is collective amount of anxiety that the world is going through right now as a whole. How do we make sure that we're going to be able to get to the other side? The people that are getting ahead right now are the ones which have been able to integrate this within themselves and lead to acceptance. So the stages of grief are denial, anger, bargaining, um, depression, which is a turning point to accepting that the world will never be the same again. You out there who's listening, your business will never be the same again. You'll never be able to go back to that person that you are. And what you're going through, if you're feeling anxious and depressed and, and you're saying, why me? If only I could turn back time then you, you're going through integration right now. Um, you have to integrate and you have to go through all those feelings. And I, there's this amazing curve, Alison. Did you see that growth curve that's yeah. been put out there? Yes. So, so you need to go through the fear zone of collecting the toilet paper and, and grabbing food and worrying about all those things. Then you have to get into the learning zone, becoming aware of the situation, how are you going to recognise and we're all trying to do our best to get to the growth zone where you can appreciate others and you can actually try to adapt to these new changes by finding the opportunities that exist in this. That's all got to do with the integration. And just to actually add to that, whatever people are feeling right now, whether it's anxiety, depression, anger, whatever else, if you're binging on Netflix, um, if your escapism is 
through alcohol or anything else just to know to stop. And one of the things that helped me a lot when I was in hospital right in the beginning was I had to learn how to stop and to take away that voice in my head that kept knocking myself down, which was mean to myself and pushed myself to be better. We're in an unprecedented time of crisis right now that the human psyche has never had to deal with before. Now, the thing with integration is what we do now, we'll, we're in a, there's now, there's a future, and then there's an after. Right now, we're in the now part. And until there's a vaccine, right, or a pharmacological solution, we're going to be stuck in this isolation, right? I did over, I did hundreds of days laying in a hospital bed for more than 20 hours a day. I was isolated for over four years. And I know what you do now will determine what your future will look like. But the biggest thing is a lot of people are trying to escape and not being able to integrate in my first stage of Kadima, which is my framework. Kadima is an ancient Hebrew word for moving forward. So the first stage is integration. You have to get to acceptance within yourself. And if you're going through escapism and you're going through some of those feelings, just know that it's normal to be grieving right now. If you find yourself sad and crying, you're actually dealing with it. And the threat is, is that if you don't deal with this now, you can't get to the next stages of the framework to find the opportunity like those people which are getting ahead. And I'm sure you're seeing that, Alison. The people which are winning right now have accepted this is the new normal and they're getting on with things, right? Yeah, and interestingly, they're all feeling really positive even though, you know, if you look at the situation we're in is quite negative. So a lot of it also has to do with the mindset as well. A hundred percent. And that that's what this first stage is all about. It's a, how do we integrate it? How do we find that mindset? So these are things like, um, as I said, being compassionate towards yourself and to other people, dropping the idea of, of perfection right now. In a crisis, which we are in the middle of, there is no such a thing as perfection. It's all that we can do is, is doing our best making sure that you're processing all the feelings and the emotions that you are going through right now and not running away from them. The way that I used to do that is, and the way that I recommend to people and they help them is finding some quietness in, in their life. And, you know, Pete, this term mindfulness is used so much. I'm over mindfulness in a way because it's just overused. It's not about mindfulness. It's about finding the right mindset. Yeah. Um, and, and when I say that, I'm, um, Go inwards, fine, but find out what works for yourself mostly. Um, you know, changing the story about what you're doing, you know, is, is the big thing. Don't call this self-isolation. Call this self-growth. And what I said before is sit in the quiet and actually take a pen and paper and just try to sit with your feelings for five minutes and it helps a lot actually take a pen and just to write down exactly what's going through your head and what's going through your system and what stage you're in right now. And you'll be amazed if you did that, what actually will come out on the page right now. Um, so a lot of little tips and tricks like that, which have helped me, which I, which I hope will help other people. So the, the problem is if we don't deal with integration, we don't integrate what happened, we can't accept. You end up bitter and you can also... You know, I'm worried that we might have this whole collective post-traumatic stress disorder lately. That's what happens, you know, become OCD, which leads to depression, which leads to post-traumatic stress disorder. 
um, just to let you know, I suffered from everything that you could suffer. I had anxiety, depression, loneliness, um, post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, so I've gone through a lot of these feelings. And, you know, for me, when I look at my accident, I say, what was my life pre-accident to post-accident? And the beautiful thing about right now, what we're going through, Alison, is that like me with my accident, if you follow the steps of my framework, you have this amazing opportunity to rewrite your life, to rewrite the formula that you were prescribed. If I told you two weeks ago when you thought your life was going amazing, that you had an opportunity to, to have a better life, you have to change what you're already doing, you would never have told me yes in a million years. But now you have the opportunity to change your life. Um, I've just been researching actually the effects of whenever we've had a huge crisis in the world, what's happened post-crisis to, to work out what's going to happen post-COVID-19. It's been really, really interesting actually. Can you give us a little bit of an insight into that? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, it's this is everything which I'm going to talk about is online for you to find. Um, all I did was Google. So I found that, so first of all, really interesting, my grandpa, who I loved dearly, he was 103 years old, 104 years old. He passed wow. away last year. And, you know, I was thinking towards when he was born in 1915, he lived through World War I, the Great Depression. He lived through the Spanish flu, World War II. Can you imagine? Wow, all of it. Yeah. All, all of it. So World War One, we basically had huge advances in technology. We developed new weapons, which made more people, uh, there was more uh, mass devastation and destruction but, than ever before. But that would transform in the way that people around the world, we traveled and we communicated. So accelerated technology. Um, you know, aircrafts were only took off 11 years before World War I. So a lot of mass developments in aircraft technology. And also women entered the workforce after World War I because they needed women during the war and they stayed obviously in the workforce. Um, and then supply chain lo efficiency logistics, so um, logistics of railways and all that. World War II was really interesting. That's where suburbia came about, the American dream, two and a half kids, a dog, a house with a white picket fence was born post the Great Depression and World War II. But it also forced innovation, computers, plane technology, atomic technology. And then you look at like something like 9-11, which also changed the world so much. We increased in security. We had less privacy. Um, terrorism was heightened after that. And then you start to think, okay, right now after COVID-19, you know, do we need to travel to work three hours each way? Do we need to, you know, are they going to be like, also, do we need to have as many staff as we've had? Like a lot of people have laid off staff now and they're going to think, okay, I can make 70% of my revenue with only 40% of my staff. I can use automation or other sales networks. So I feel like that's all going to increase. So the world. Absolutely. Yeah. What are your thoughts on Yeah, that? no, I couldn't agree more. I think there's going to be way more people entering, um, you know, the entrepreneur world, starting up their own businesses for many reasons. But in particular, you know, they might be, they may have been working in a job they didn't particularly like. 
then, you know, I think that those people will naturally go and look for other jobs but may not be able to find anything and then they're going to, you know, create their own business in some shape or form. I think we're going to see so many more startups. And I think 100% spot on and right now is, is the time when we need focus and creativity and deep thinking, which is really funny because if you were to ask me before this, what's the one thing that we're lacking in the world is focus and deep thinking and creativity. And right now people need to be so creative in the way that they try to make money and that they re re shift their businesses to suit today's world. I actually wrote out a list of things just before we spoke about what I think is going to come out of this, which is kind of really interesting right now. Talk us through it. Are you happy to give us a few of those things on the list? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Go for it. Yeah, yeah definitely. So I think that um, we can't, the world won't rely on other countries for manufacturing, especially yeah. for vital essentials. You know, so we're going to have a lot more rally for making stuff at home or in the country you live in. Increased hygiene and sanitation, disease prevention. We have to be independent. Um, and Australia has to be less dependent on other countries, especially for um, emergency and, and supply goods. You know, disease prevention in the world and healthcare will increase in Australia and around the world. Um, there's going to be an increased animosity towards China after this. We have to be careful with people around us who, uh, who have fit from fear, they're taking it out on, on poor Chinese people. There are a lot of Chinese Australian people which were born in Australia. They have nothing to do with this. And it's very important to take out our fears and our angers on other people. Um, mental health services will come out of this, you know, I can't believe that through this, um, what I've been reading, what the data is showing that, you know, like um, domestic violence is increased by 75%. No, sorry, mm-hmm. let me rephrase that. People searching on Google for domestic violence help. So the searches have increased by 75%. Gosh. Some of the call centers have increased by 30%. Um, alcoholism has increased by 35%. Online gambling has increased by 65%. Wow. So suicide has already been increasing in Australia for the last couple of years. Anxiety, depression, self-isolation leading to, to loneliness. So coming out of this, I think that mental health services is going to be so important. Mm-hmm. One of, on the positive note, I think that a lot of great leaders have been forged in a crisis. I read an amazing um, Harvard Business Review uh, article, which basically spoke about Churchill, JFK, Roosevelt were all born in a crisis. So in your own business to look at who is rising up right now around you, who's taking on that extra responsibility. They are natural born leaders. So it's a great time for us to find leaders. Um, I think that anything online is obviously booming now and will keep on booming. You know, so conferencing, payments, groceries, and other goods. Um, I think that there's going to be a shift from traveling to work to villages, you know, like World War II caused suburbia. And I think we're going to say to ourselves now, why do I need to travel three hours to work when I could be at home with my kids and my family and I can just get as much done? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So people... Absolutely, yeah. which then also like leads on to local businesses growing in you know suburban areas 
in terms of, you know, like the, the restaurants and the cafes and those kind of supply on the, on the high streets? 100%. And, you know, for me, I'm a speaker, right? One of the things I do is I speak. I'm about to speak to um, EDO next week, the Entrepreneurs' Organisation. They've hired me to speak to them. And I can speak to them from the Hunter Valley. I can speak yeah. to an American company, a, a European company from my own home. It's, it's, so the opportunities to come out of this are massive. You can connect with anyone in the world. Um, so connectivity, creativity, technology is going to be accelerated. Um, but in saying that, it's going to be harder. Like unemployment is going to be higher. I mean, right now there's, um, it jumped from 2 million, I think, to 3.9 million. But some people are estimating it could go up to 10 million people unemployed in Australia. Um, so that's a bit scary. So I think, um, it is you know. scary, but, you know, what, what we're seeing, is the opportunity in this is that it's never been so, not so easy, but, you know, all the infrastructure is there now to, for people to start their own gig. So, you know, and we were seeing this beforehand anyway. Everything was turning into like a very much a gig economy, whether you're a contractor or, you you know, you're running your own business. However, we, we we're just going to see more and more of this happening. Yeah. So I, I agree with you and I just think that right now we can't change what's happened. That's what the whole return on resilience is about. You can't change the past, but you can change the way that you react to what happens. And you, mm. what you do now, as I said, will determine what your future will look like. And I feel like right now we could in the future have a healthier, more compassionate world. And we have like after World War II, like after the Great Depression, to have a fresh start where we can prescribe a new life for ourselves, like what I did after my accident. I, I, so they were actually the greatest years of my life in a way. When I spent 400, hundreds of days isolating, you know, I didn't waste that time. I was preparing myself for my life afterwards and I was setting it all up to make the best life that I can and that's what I did. But it's so important, whoever is listening right now, do not waste this time. Use this time as a gift to grow. I don't care what you are, what's happened to you, because people have gone through way worse and are going through worse right now. And I understand if you feel bad and you feel shitty and you don't know where to start. When I was at my worst, you know, I I was... I, I just had gone through um, two and a half years of operations and I don't, we don't have time to get very deep into my story, but to, to give you a little bit of a summary, just a very small amount is I had six operations. What they wanted, how they wanted to fix my leg in Australia had failed. I've gone to Germany and had a first in the world operation and I got a, a graft of a knee transplant from a, uh, twice I did, but from a young boy who was who was in a motor vehicle accident. His mother was killed instantly. His father allowed him to be a donor, and I got here. They kept him alive in a ventilator. They harvested his knee and they transplanted a graft oh of his gosh. knee into me. And I'd gone through all of that, and I moved to America to do my recovery because I'd recovered so much in Australia. I moved to my uncle's place and. I could just walk for the very, very first time 
And uh, a month later, came, uh, sorry, so I went through seven months of recovery, came back to Australia, was feeling really unwell, uh, had a very small operation, remove a screw, sorry, and I came back, was feeling really unwell, and I woke up with a hole in my leg. There was a, a hole that opened up in my leg, and it started oozing with golden staff. And I just walked for the first time after two and a half years, had six major operations. I worked my ass off, and now I was at the risk of losing my leg. And I was thrown, it was like the accident happened all over again. And it was the most horrible experience. I had to live like that for six months with no light at the end of the tunnel for me. And throughout my experience, there was no light at the end of the tunnel. And I remember at one of my darkest points uh, mentally and emotionally and physically was when I had this golden staph infection and I had to do 84 days with 24-hour, 14,000 milligrams of flucloxacillin. It's it's an antibiotic IV. And I was just waiting to have an operation. I couldn't walk anymore. My leg was was killing me. I had the worst pain. And I just thought to myself, it entered my mind, you know, I'd be better off right now. After everything I've suffered for three years, if I just died right now, these thoughts of death just started entering my mind, right? Mm. And I would never, ever act on them. But after so much that I went through of a struggle just to to get my health back and then it was taken away again like that and now it's thrown back into this medical world, I was worse off than when I had my accident now. I went minus 10, right? And they were going to probably gonna I had a very good chance in chopping my leg off I couldn't even get a a, a surgeon to have an operation on me because they get an asterisk against their name if you have an amputation right because that's so much so much uh so much so many surgeries right and I remember at my lowest lowest Mm -hmm. point I had no light at the end of the tunnel and I just thought okay you cannot give up I will not let you you've fallen down You've gone through the ups and the downs. Just put one foot in front of the other foot and you will get through this. Yeah. You just minute by minute, don't focus too much on the future. It's today. It's this moment right now. What are you doing now to help you? What are you going to do today to help you? And then you just keep going. And I promise you, there is always a light at the end of the tunnel. And if you just put those little things in practice, at the end of this, you will come out on top. That's why I made this, this framework. It, the, the meaning of adversity for us is whatever that we go through in our lives, whether it's good or bad, it's our job to find some positive meaning in. In Absolutely. every crisis, there are going to be gifts. This is actually now the fourth part of my speech. So when you go through the work, the fourth part is called inspire. So that's actually putting it in action. So I'll just explain to you this fourth part of academics. We're not going to probably have time for the rest just to show you how I found my return on my resilience. See, when I look back at my accident now, I don't regret it happening at all. I I wouldn't change it for a second and I've come out of it on top. And in a crisis, there are always going to be gifts, but it's our job to find those gifts. And when that boy was, was killed in that car accident and he gave me his knee, later I was laying in a hospital bed and I had a long time to think about my recovery and getting through it. And um, that young boy, I thought about and I thought about his story. I met seven other people who he gave life to. His father lost everything. 
and I had this choice to write him a letter as, as a donor, right, as a recipient of a donor, an anonymous letter. And I wrote him a letter saying, I do, world, I do work in third world countries and, um, and I wanted to, to build a school in his son's honour. I was working f- for another charity that set up. And we were working by, by building schools. And I've done this already for, since 2012, so a long time before my accident even. And, uh, yeah, and I wrote a letter to the father saying I want to build the school so his son's memory can live on um, through all the children that change their lives in this school. And um, he was like an angel to me. So I started the Hark. So I called him the Hark Angel, mm-hmm. um, which is – because uh, I, I make wine and I wanted to put a label called Hark Angel to help me raise money for this school. And I opened and I built this school and I saw all the goodness I was coming out of it and I thought, hold on a second, what's the opportunity here? And the opportunity was to create the Hark Angel Foundation where we're building 100 schools, you know. So what I'm trying to say is I found some positive meaning in all the adversity that I go through right now. And we all have to do that in what we're going through right now. We've got to look for a greater purpose in our lives that we can do to help other people, to help ourselves, to help us get through all of this right now. Yeah. And mine was to create the Hark Angel Foundation and, yeah. And what a change it's making. I mean, gosh, you know, listening to this story, it's so inspiring and I did say to you when we um, got off our last call the other week, you need to write a book. And you said, I'm writing a book. But now I'm like, you need your own Netflix series because, <laughs> you know, like every chapter, there's just so much learning that, you know, people can take from. It's incredible. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And I think a big thing is is perspective, right? Yeah. Perspective is what helps me a lot. I also, um, I own another term. Um, it's called um, banking resilience. So we have a resilience bank and every time something bad happens to us, we have to kind of see, we have to change perspective of how we see it. We have to change a story in our minds. And a very big thing which, which helped me throughout my journey is the words that we tell ourselves are poison or gold. If you think about it, and everyone listening is something that someone once said to you, which is stuck with you forever. And at the time, you probably never thought anything about it. So the words, the way that you speak about yourself and to yourself is so important, especially right now during this time of of getting through this, right? Mm -hmm. So when we talk to ourselves, we have to make sure the language that we speak to ourselves is, is so is, is, is positive right now. The kindness has to come out. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, Richie. Like, we could talk forever. I would love to get you on here again. I know everyone's going to be thinking, where can we connect with Richie further and also, you know, support you in any way? So you have Harkham Wines. If you can just take us through the different elements of, you know, the ways that people can get in contact with you and support you. And then I'll also, you know, link everything up on my website and through to your websites as well. Yep. So if you want to find out more information, um, also my speaking stuff, it's richieharkham.com. Through my Instagram is richieharkham. Facebook, I'm on richieharkham. Um, I just launched my podcast, which you are on as well, Alison. You're amazing. Um, it's called 
It's called Return on Resilience, where I take inspirational stories of people who've gone through huge amounts of adversity and turned it into an opportunity, and I share their tools and and lessons. Um, yeah, so that's how they can find me. Uh, we've got Hark and Wines and also the Hark yeah. Angel Foundation as well. That's exactly right. It's very interesting. Um, I spoke to my guy on the ground yesterday in Hark Angel and talking about perspective, I was finding out how they were going on the ground in Myanmar and I was checking in on this boy and I met this boy, his name's Tai Peyu. Tai Peyu, when I met him, was 11 years old. His family, he lives in the, one of the worst slums in Myanmar. His sister is blind, had to move away from the family. His other sister got killed in an electrical fire. His father was hurt and now can't work. And he, run, he works in a slum bar when I met him. His mother runs a laundromat out of their house. And when I met this young boy, my heart bled because he was 11 years old and he had on his back the whole responsibility of his family's survival at the age of 11. And he worked 17 hours a day, seven days a week for 20 US dollars a month. And in a slum bar, can you imagine in a third world country. And I got to spend time with Ty. And what, what impressed me so much about Ty and about all these other kids in third world countries with so much adversity and struggle in their lives, their, it's their attitude towards life, right? And it's their positivity. You know, we don't, we don't have, we're isolating a beautiful country. So we are stuck in this all together. And I think the biggest thing right now is that we all have a positive mindset. When you see someone, smile. You know what I did today, Alison? I, I contacted, now that I'm through my own shit and I'm, I feel stable and you know, I, I've dealt with my own balance sheet of my investments being affected and my winery being affected and my other businesses being affected, I said, okay, today is a new start for me and I, I don't care about that anymore. And I, I remembered who I am and I contacted 10 people who I knew is struggling and needed help. And I just wrote the messages saying, you know, I'm really sorry for what you've gone through. And I just want to let you know that I'm here for you right now in any way that is needed and even financially. And you know what? All those people wrote back to me and they did, the one thing they wrote to me is, I'm actually okay right now financially, but just thank you so much for reaching out and being there right now. So when someone is down, this is the time to help them is right now. So if I could just ask for one, one thing, if each one of the people listening right now, have a think in your own life, who's struggling? And I know you're struggling as well, but helping other people will make you feel better. That's what Hark Angel is at its core. You don't need to build a hundred schools. You need to do one act of kindness, which will change your world right now. Such a beautiful message, Richie. I think that that is just such a great message for everyone to action um, through listening to this podcast. Richie, thank you so much for joining us here today. Thank you so much, Alison. I really enjoyed speaking to you.